dude, I didn't know you can get those type of videos on your phone. Totally. I don't know what I did before this. Yeah, it's better hope your wife never finds out. It's not a big deal. Besides, she's been kind of not fun lately. Look, she's not going to find out. It doesn't matter as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. Are you serious? God never said that. Sorry, is this hurting you? <laughs> well, welcome to Orchard Church, everyone. Good to see you guys this morning. You happy to be in church? Awesome. Well, take out your Bibles this morning. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. 2 Timothy 4, 3. We'll begin there in just a few minutes. Um, in your Bibles, your mobile devices, whichever you choose to use. If you don't have one with you, don't worry. We're going to put some verses on the screen for you as well if maybe you're a guest today. So we're good to have you guys as well. We are in our second week of our four-week series called God Never Said That, where we're looking at cultural beliefs about God. Last week, we looked at the statement, God just wants you to be happy, and we learned that God God never said that, that God is much more interested in us pursuing Him more than happiness, and He's much more interested in our holiness than our happiness. We learned that last week. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about this statement. Have you ever had anybody tell you, God told me to do this or that? Have you ever had anybody say that? And you kind of look at them like, are you sure that was God that said that? You know, I know what the Bible says. I mean, are you sure you didn't just come up with that? We're going to talk about that next week. The final week, which will be on Mother's Day, I think this will be an appropriate one I say for Mother's Day, uh, for all the ladies, you've probably heard somebody say this before, God will never give you more than you can handle. How many of you have ever heard that? I've even said that before. God actually never said that. And we're going to deal with that and unpack that the last week. Today, we're going to talk about this statement that it doesn't really matter what you do as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Maybe you've heard that before. It doesn't really matter what you do as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Well, God never said that. Now, I want to tell you right up front, uh, this message is going to be a little bit heavier than our normal messages on Sunday morning. So we got to start out by loosening up and having a little bit bit of fun. I'm not going to dance this week though, okay? Some of y'all ask that, you know, you can do that, not going to do that. But here's what we're going to do to have some fun. Can we have some fun to start out? Because this is a little heavier of a message. So here's what I want you to do. Look to the person on the right of you. Look to the person to the left of you, okay? Look to the person behind you, okay? All right, got those three people in mind, okay? Three people, right, left, behind you. On the count of three, what I'm going to ask you to do, uh, the count of three is point to the biggest center. One, two, three, go. Okay, some, some of y'all are in big trouble because you're pointing to your spouse. This guy down here was smart. He pointed to himself. That was probably the wisest decision. <laughs> Had to have a little fun this morning to, to start out. You know, as we think about sin, uh, Jesus in the Gospels talked about the unpardonable sin. And we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about this, but basically it's grieving the Holy Spirit here at Orchard Church. We believe that the only unpardonable sin today is to resist the Holy Spirit's calling us to salvation and receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But I, I think in our culture today, when people think about the unpardonable sin, we could make a point or, or a case that the unpardonable sin today is calling someone a sinner can't do that today. You can't say somebody's a sinner or they've sinned. That's not politically uh, correct. Um, you know, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, had you turn there, let's just look at what Paul said because he gave this prophecy, and I think we're kind of living in this prophecy, unfortunately, at, at a lot of churches and places today. In 2 Timothy 4, 3, Paul said, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching that's based on the word of God. 
And they will follow their own desires and will look for teachers, preachers, who will tell them whatever their, say it together, itching ears want to hear. And they will reject the truth and they'll chase after myths. Well, we are definitely not going to fall into that prophecy today at Orchard Church because I'm going to tell you what the Bible says and what the Bible doesn't say about this idea that, you know, it doesn't matter what you do as long as it doesn't hurt someone. I I think if you look back to Jesus' day, when Jesus walked this earth 2,000 years ago, the value of the culture and society of that day, you could make a case, was justice. The value of Jesus' day was justice. You know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. If, if somebody, you know, you do somebody wrong, you're going to have to pay for it. I think that we could make a case today in our culture and society, the value is tolerance. There's a lot of tolerance today. Now, we've even changed the definition of tolerance over the last 15, 20 years. Tolerance used to be applied to our society that, you know, we need to all live together, different ethnic backgrounds and things like that. And, and that's what tolerance used to be. Now, today, is tolerance has been defined as any behavior goes. You know, we need to just tolerate all behaviors. It really doesn't matter what anybody does as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. And that's what tolerance has become uh, today. We've even changed uh, things that the Bible calls sin. We've given them new phrases that are more acceptable and palatable to us today. You know, what the Bible used to call sexual sin, we now call adult entertainment. Right? You know, what, what the Bible calls adultery, we say, well, they just had an affair. You know what the Bible would call fornication, another type of sexual sin? We say, oh, you know, they're young. They're just fooling around. I told you this is going to be heavy. Here's the truth. Sin is real. You believe that, church? Sin is real, and it still exists, and there are serious earthly consequences to our sin, to my sin, and potentially and possibly eternal consequences to our sin. So when someone says it doesn't matter what you do as long as it doesn't hurt anyone, God never said that. And so with the rest of our time, I hope you'll take some notes. They're on the back of your newsletter. I want to I address three cultural misbeliefs about sin. Three cultural misbeliefs about sin that are accepted in our society, but God never said. The first one would be this, if you're taking notes. First cultural misbelief about sin is, I'm not a bad person. You heard that before? I'm not a bad person. You're not a bad person. There's really no bad people. You know, people just make bad choices. They make mistakes. They, they mess up. Well, here's what the Bible says. In 1 John 1, 8, it says, if we claim we have, help me out somebody, we are only fooling who? Ourselves and not living in the truth. The truth of what? What the Bible says. You say, how do you define sin? Who, who decides what sin is today? Sin is anything that violates what God has said. That's what sin is. It's not what I think or you think it is or society tells us it is. It's, it's based on the Bible. What we do or we don't do is sin if it violates God's word, God's truth. And, and John says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. I think here's the challenge and here's the problem that we face today. That we compare ourselves among ourselves so we feel better about ourselves. Instead of comparing to the standard of God's word, we say, well, I, you know, I don't say words like they say, not that bad. I don't take substances that they take. I don't steal things like they do. I only have one cat. They have three. Come on. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in. Got to have some fun today, guys. I told you this is heavy. I'm going to look for every opportunity. You got to work with me. But the truth is this. You and I are not the standard God is. And his word is, his truth. That's the standard that determines whether something is sin or not. Romans 3.23 says everyone, everybody say everyone. 
For everyone has sinned and we all fall short of each other's standard? No, we fall short of, let's say it together, God's glorious standard, right? You and I aren't the standard. God is the standard. His word is the standard. And we all fall short. I fall short. You fall short. And so when people say, there's really, I'm not a bad person. There's no bad people. The Bible says we've all sinned. We're all sinners. All of us. We all have. And just to make sure we get this and that we have a level playing field. I've done this before. I'll do it again. So work with me this morning. I'll participate as well. Let's keep it real here at Orchard Church this morning. We always keep it real. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, by a show of hands, I'm with you, have ever lied in your life? You've ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay, look around. Keep them up nice and high. Anybody not raising their hand? They just lied, right? Okay. <laughs> Gotcha, okay? How many of you have ever stolen something ever in your life? You've ever stolen something? Okay, some of you are a little slower on that one. Some of you ladies, your hands should have shot right up. You got like 30 Orchard Church pins in your purse. And we're praying for you. I was... <laughs> We've all lied. We've all stolen something. Uh, I was going over this message a little bit with my, my family. You know, they, I practice on them. And my daughter, uh, she's 19. She'll probably be in our last service today. Uh, she said, oh, man, Dad, I'm going to have to raise my hand when you ask if you've ever stolen anything. And I'm like, really? She's like, yeah. You know, we went on, she went on the ladies' retreat. We just had our Orchard Church ladies' retreat. Over 160 ladies went on uh, the ladies' retreat. It was incredible. And my daughter comes back, and she's unpacking her suitcase, and she comes running into her mom's room, and she says, Mom, you're not going to believe what I have. Who's your favorite daughter? And, and my wife, Shelly's like, well, you are. She goes, you, you left something in our hotel room. Do you have everything? Are you missing something? And she's like, I don't think so. She goes, oh, yeah, I hooked you up, Mom. I got your hair dryer. <laughs> Shelly goes, that's not my hair dryer. That's the hotel's hair dryer. <laughs> she drops it. She's like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get arrested. So we... Listen, we've all lied. We've all probably stolen something. Now, let me ask you this one. Be honest. How many of you have ever looked lustfully at someone that is not your spouse? You ever done that? Okay. Some of you guys are awful slow on that one. You're like, Pastor, my wife is sitting next to me. You know, maybe like when you're 12 or 13, guys, okay? That help you out a little bit there? Okay, so let me get this straight. We, we've all lied. We've all stolen something. We've all looked lustfully. My hand was up too. So if you've ever lied, that makes you a, a liar, right? If you've ever stolen something, that makes you a thief. If you've ever looked lustfully at someone, Jesus said you've committed adultery in your heart. So let's get this straight this morning. We're all a bunch of lying, thieving adulterers. Welcome to Orchard Church, where we preach a watered-down, feel-good gospel. No, we, we've all sinned. We've all messed up. Romans 3.10 simply says it this way. No one is righteous, not even what? Not even one. Not even one. We've all sinned. And I know some of you might be like, well, yeah, Pastor Doug, but you don't sin like we sin. You know, I mean, you, 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 don't, you don't probably deal with that I anymore. You know, I, I mean, there was definitely a time in my life uh, that you got, and I don't, I don't want to glorify sin, but there was a time in my life, man, I partied like everybody. I partied my brains out. I could keep up with the best of them. I had a potty mouth you wouldn't believe. I lived a promiscuous lifestyle. And then when I was eight years old, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. <laughs> part of that story is true and part of it is not. I did accept Christ at eight years old and I, w I became a believer. But some of you know my testimony. When I get into high school, 
I, I just started you know, doing the, the worldly things and into college, and I ran for God for about six years of my life, and, and I did all those things that, that I just mentioned. You say, yeah, but you, you're a pastor. You've, you've got it all figured out now. You probably don't struggle with sin today. <laughs> just ask my wife, okay? Uh, so I, I want to keep this real, and so I thought, you know, what, what would I be willing? Let me just share with you guys very openly and honestly um, one of the sins that I struggle with, I mean, on a, I would say on a daily basis, that I struggle with this sin. And some of y'all are you're leaning in. Now you're taking notes. You got your pen out. You're like, this is going to be, be good. And, and if I'm honest, it's, it's my driving, okay? It's, it's my And now some of y'all are like, oh, that's it. I, that's the only one I'm willing to share with you guys, okay? There's plenty others, but this is the only one I'm willing to share. And if you know me, if you follow me around long enough, um, I have, when I walk, I have two speeds, fast and faster, when I preach, I, I have two speeds, fast and faster. I preach at 70 miles an hour with gusts up to 100. And so when I drive, I'm in a hurry wherever I want to get there. And, and I just praise God and God's sovereignty, glory to God. We have like 30, 40 law enforcement officers at Orchard Church. I've got a good chance that if I get pulled over, it's going to be one of them. And you know, in the book of First Opinions, it says, yeah, it says that if you allow your pastor off from a speeding ticket, there's a special crown in heaven for that, okay? Okay, now I'm lying and sinning right before you guys in, in church, but uh, you know, this idea, I'm not a bad person, you're not a bad person, the Bible says we're all sinners, all of us, and you knew that when you came in here. We all know that, and that's why we need a Savior, amen? That's, not, that's why we need Jesus. Christians aren't sinless, we just hopefully sin less. We hopefully sin less. And so what's, what's a cultural misbelief about sin? That, that I'm not a bad person. The Bible says we're sinners. Here's the second one if you're taking notes. Another cultural misbelief about sin is this one. You'll hear this. All sin is the same. You ever heard that before? All sin is the same. And so people say, like, who are you to judge me? Who am I to judge you? You know, what I'm doing isn't any worse than you're doing because, after all, all sin is the same. Well, listen, God never said that. God never said that. Now, now I wish I had more time to unpack this. I don't, but, but let me kind of help you understand what I'm saying here. According to the Bible, all unforgiven sin leads to eternal death and separation from God. Can we agree? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages, the payment of sin is what, church? Death. Here's the good news. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our, our Lord. So all unforgiven sin leads to eternal death and separation from God if you've not accepted Christ. But here's the thing. Sin practically has different consequences. Earthly, on earth, and evidently even in eternity. We need to understand there's a difference between positionally being a sinner separated from God and practically the sins that we, we do. If we positionally die in our sins without accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we will be separated from God for all eternity and pay the consequences of our sin. If we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible doesn't call us a sinner any longer. It calls us a saint. But how many of you would agree, even though positionally we're called saints, we don't practically always live like saints? We still sin. We still violate God's word. And when we still sin as believers in Jesus Christ, there's different consequences to our sin. Uh, let me illustrate it this way. Um, I, I told you about my sinful driving at times. And a, a few weeks ago, we were on a, a trip, a road trip to go see my son play his college baseball in Nebraska. And so when I get on the highway, you know, four-lane highway, I set my cruise control close to the speed limit, okay? Okay. <laughs> 
close to, I set my cruise control and, and, I, and I go and I, I like to keep it as long as I can. It's almost like a game, like how long can I keep it on cruise? And so I come upon these two uh, vehicles. One is a, is a semi, an 18-wheeler in the driving lane, the right lane, and then there's a car in the left lane. Okay, can I just help some of you guys out, okay, for the glory of God? The left lane is the passing lane. It's not the driving, hanging out, cruising, speed limit lane, okay? It's the passing lane. God told me to tell some of you that today, okay? And so I come up on the 18-wheeler, and this guy who's in the passing lane, and he's not passing. He's barely even going the speed limit. And I, I come up on him, and I got to take it off cruise control. Oh, yeah, listen, I'm a pastor, but I'm not perfect. And, and thankfully, he did not have an Orchard Church sticker in the back of his car. And so I, I, got, I'll be, I confess, I, I got frustrated. I, I, I lost my cool a little bit. And I'm, I'm closer to him than I should be. I didn't honk my horn. I wanted to, but I didn't. But I, I was closer than I should be. I was trying to give him a signal that I, would you please move and get past this semi? What are you doing? And so finally, he takes his time. And he moves over. And he passes the semi. And so as I'm going by him, I give him the universal sign for what's up. What universal sign did you think I gave him, okay? And I, I just kind of drive and I'm like, I just kind of did this to him. Well, then he gave me a universal sign. And it wasn't what's up. It was read between the lines, universal sign. You know? He shot me the finger. Now, let me, okay, here's the deal. There may be some moral consequences to that, that the fact that he shot me the finger, but there would have been different consequences if he would have shot me with a gun. Sin has different consequences, okay? So not, sin, not all sin is the same, okay? Let, let me help you with these three things. You have them in your notes. How we live influences our consequences. First of all, how we live influences our consequences on the earth, on the earth, even as believers in Jesus Christ, there's different consequences to our sin. Let me illustrate it this way. Um, Ryan Singleton is our student director and our church plant catalyst here at Orchard Church. And let me just say as a sideline, uh, before I pick on Ryan, I'm going to, you know, like promote Ryan. Uh, Ryan is doing an incredible job with our fuel student ministry. They've been averaging over 100 students every week. Can we just praise God for that? I mean, it is amazing. Uh, I was in student ministry for 10 years before becoming a pastor. And let me just tell you this, parents, if you have kids that are middle school or high school, stop by the fuel table right here on the right of this door before you go out. Get your kids in student ministry because you need someone, a godly young man like Ryan, speaking into your student's life. That you need, you want somebody like that speaking into their life. Because mom and dad can say the right things all day long, but you get somebody else saying, and it's like they've never heard that before, right? <laughs> Trust me. Trust me, your students need that. But let, let's just, I'm going to illustrate it this way. I'm, now I'm going to pick on Ryan, now that I've thrown him, you know, that I've, I've, I've promoted him. Uh, let's say that Ryan uh, just turned 30. He had his 30th birthday. I told him, welcome to adulthood. You're now officially an, an adult. Nobody takes you seriously in your 20s. We just act like we do. We really don't. And so he turned, <laughs> he turned, th they didn't me either. They still think I'm 30, you know, so anyway. So Ryan turned 30, and I told him, I said, Ryan, listen, now that you're 30, you know, because we go to lunch as a staff sometimes, and he just eats everything. I mean, he eats the whole burrito, gets dessert, everything. I said, I said, well, enjoy it now, buddy. I said, you're 30 now. What I learned when I turned 30 was I can't just eat whatever I want anymore. When I turned 40, I learned I can't eat anything I want anymore. <laughs> 
And I warned him. And so let, let's just say, though, hypothetically, he doesn't heed my warning, and he just starts eating everything inside. And, and as he gets older, you know what's going to happen. And let's just say, man, he blimps up, and he just gets, I mean, out of control, obese. You know, the Bible does say that, that gluttony, not eating, but gluttony, is a sin, right? Can we agree with that? I mean, that's a sin. So if he commits the sin of gluttony, we'll love him, we'll forgive him, we'll, we'll talk to him, and we'll work through it, but he'll still be able to be our youth director. But let's say, you know, hey, we live in Colorado. He decides to smoke some, you know, wacky tobacco with some teenagers. Okay, that's a different story. That sin has different consequences. Can we all agree? See, there, sin has different consequences on this earth. You know, Paul addressed this. I could give you many examples, but let me give you one. And it's in the context of sexual sin. And that sexual sin has greater consequences on this earth than some of the other sins. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says this, Run. Not walk, not hop, run, run, forest, run. From what? Sexual sin. Why? Why do we need to run from this one more than anything else? Because no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. So evidently, the, the consequences of sexual sin are greater than some of the other sins. If you're with me, say yes. That's what we're talking about. So how we live influences... Our, our consequences on earth, how we live influences our rewards in heaven, our rewards in heaven. The Bible tells us clearly that as believers in Jesus Christ, one day we're going to stand before Jesus, and, and it's not going to be about us being separated. Our sins have been forgiven, but we're either going to get crowns and rewards, or we're not going to get crowns and rewards. And Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all, as believers, stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we, what church? Whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. The rewards are different in heaven for believers based upon what we've done or what we've not done. And I don't understand fully this next one, but, but this is what the Bible says. How I live on this earth, if I'm not a believer in Jesus Christ, if someone's not a believer, and I am, but if someone's not, it, it has an effect on how the punishment in hell takes place. There's different punishment in hell based on different sins. I don't understand what that all means and looks like, but Jesus said this in Luke chapter 20, verse 47. He talked about a group of people, they devour and take advantage of widows, houses, and for a show, make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished, how? Most severely. I don't know if there's like a 300 degree section of hell and a 600 degree section of hell. I don't want to be in any of it, Amen. I don't understand. I'll just be honest with you. I don't, I don't know what that's, how that's all going to play out practically, but, but there's a difference. So when someone says it doesn't matter what you do, all sin is the same, yeah, it does. It does matter. There's different consequences on this earth. For believers, there's different rewards or loss of rewards in heaven, and there's different consequences in eternity if someone doesn't know Jesus in a place called hell. There's a lot of churches that won't even mention that word, but it's in the Bible, amen? It's in the Bible. And, and one of the things we want to be known for more than anything else, we have 10 values here at Orchard Church, and our number one value is what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? And so, what are these cultural beliefs when it comes to sin? There's a cultural belief that I'm not a bad person, you're not a bad person. The Bible says we're all sinners. There's a cultural belief that all sin is the same, but it's not. And then here's the third one, and this is a big one, and we've all been there. I've been there on this one. Cultural misbelief about sin. Since I've already done it, I might as well keep doing it. Very popular cultural belief. I, I've already done it. I might as well keep doing it. You know, I, I saw this when I worked with teenagers for many years. Well, I've already lost my virginity. I'm no longer a virgin, so I might as well just keep being promiscuous because, you know, I already blew it. 
Um, I, you know, I, I've been off of an addicting drug or something I shouldn't be doing for two or three months, and then I slipped up, and I, I did it again, so I might as well keep doing it because I already, already blew it. You know, I, I cheated on my spouse once. I got away with it. Nobody knew it didn't hurt anybody. I might as well do it again. You know, I, I already looked once, so I might as well look again. And evidently, amazingly enough, this issue is not new to 2017. This was going on 2,000 years ago in Paul's day, in his culture. You're in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Turn back a, a few books to the left in your Bible to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Romans 6, 1 and 2. Evidently, Paul had to deal with this with the Romans uh, believers. And he said this. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? What does he say? Let's say it together, church. Of course not! <laughs> Exclamation points in my Bible. Of course not! Just because we've done it doesn't mean we should keep on doing it. And any, here's his point. Since we as believers have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? We've died to sin. How can we continue to live in the sin that we have died to? We, and again, he's talking to believers in Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're not a believer, you know, you're probably going to think this message is a waste of time and this is silly and you're just going to keep doing the things you're doing. I get it. If I were in your shoes, I'd probably do the same thing. But we're talking to believers right now. Paul's talking to believers that say, hey, I'm already forgiven. God's given me his grace and his mercy, his love. And so I'm just going to keep on sinning because God's just going to keep on for forgiving. And he says, of course not. Why? Because we as believers in Jesus Christ have been set free from the bondage and prison of our sin. We've been given victory of our, over our sin. With the day we accepted Jesus Christ as of our Lord and Savior, God put his Holy Spirit inside of us. The same spirit that we celebrated two weeks ago on Easter that raised Jesus from the dead. Listen, we have been given power over sin and death as believers in Jesus Christ. Amen? Can we celebrate that? Can we praise God for that? We, we don't have to. And I say that not to guilt or shame anyone, but to encourage you. Because some of you, you've convinced yourself, or the enemy Satan has convinced you that this sin that, that so easily trips you up, you're never going to beat it. You're never going to overcome it. You're never going to break it. It can't happen. If you know Jesus, you have the same power that raised him from the dead. And, and, and for us as believers to continue to just go back and live a lifestyle of habitual sin is like somebody getting set free from prison, being out a few days and going, you know what, I kind of missed that place. Would you lock me back up again? Because the Bible says when, when, before we accepted Christ, we lived in the bondage and prison of our, our, our sin. You know, uh, sometimes here at Orchard Church, we, we, every once in a while, not much, but we'll hear this statement or question and and pastor friends of mine we, we all hear it. we all kind of joke about yeah we hear this we hear people say something like this you know i, I like my church i like my pastor and all that but I, I sometimes wish we would just go deeper you know i wish we just go a little deeper and it's usually from believers who've been saved a long long time they know the bible they've been discipled they've been trained and what i lovingly want to say is if you want to go deeper nobody's stopping you you have a bible you have the holy spirit we have the internet. There's any Bible study you want. You can go, nobody's holding you back from going deeper. Amen? Go as deep as you want to go. And why do you say, what does this have to do with what we're talking about? Here's what it has to do with this. I would argue all day long that spiritual maturity is not about how much we know. It's about how much we apply. 
Spiritual maturity is not about how much knowledge I have. It's about how much I obey with the knowledge I have. And I don't know about you guys, but I'll just speak for myself. What I need in my life is not more knowledge. It's more fruit. (laughs) It's more fruit. It's more application of what I know the Bible says to do or not do. James tells us, be doers of God's word and not just what? Hearers only. John Maxwell said it this way, most Christians are educated well beyond their level of obedience. I'm just going to let that simmer for a moment in my own life as well. I, I would also challenge this that the most miserable Christians, I say this to help and encourage you, not to defeat you, not to shame you or guilt you. I would say that as I've been in full-time vocational ministry over 27 years, and I know it in my own life as well, that the most miserable people are not non-Christians. The most miserable people are Christians who continue to live a habitual lifestyle of sin. Because they know different. They know the truth of God's word. They have the Holy Spirit of God living inside them that will not allow us to just enjoy and live a lifestyle of sin. And I know this firsthand because there's times in my life, just keeping this real, that I I, I think, man, why did I say that? I'm a Christian. Why did I think that? I'm a pastor. You know, why why would I believe that? And it eats me up inside because I know different. I know better. And listen, church, what we need to understand is that there is a danger when we continue in sin. Not, not, not just that we trip up here and there. We all do that. But I mean like to, to willingly choose to habitually live in a, in a lifestyle of sin or an area of our life of, of sin. There's a danger. It does matter what we do. And it does hurt a lot of things. You know what the first thing it hurts? It hurts our relationship with God and our fellowship with Him. Even though we're his sons and daughters, you know, it's like my kids. I love them, and there's nothing they could do that I wouldn't love them. But there's times that our relationship is strained because of disobedience. Do you think the same is true with our Heavenly Father? And and, And sin can put a barrier between us and God. It kills intimacy with God. And it does hurt relationships with other people in our life. It hurts our relationship with our spouse and our kids and other Christians and our neighbors and and our coworkers that are watching us as Christ followers. And it, it dulls God's voice in our life because sin has a way of callousing and hardening our heart. And where we once were sensitive to the voice of God and the word of God and he would speak to us and he would work. And we wonder, why is God not speaking anymore? It's not that God isn't speaking, but maybe we've hardened our heart because of sin. And the old statement is still true. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll leave you longer than you want to be there. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. And we've probably all, I know I have experienced that at times in our life. Can I leave you with some good news? (laughs) Here's the great news. Because I don't want anybody to walk out of here guilty and feel ashamed. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn and judge the world. I came to save the world. Here's the good news. Best news of all. Jesus is a friend of sinners. Can we celebrate that, church? Jesus is a friend of sinners. And we all need his love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his acceptance. And he offers it to all of us. The Bible says you draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And he loves you. He doesn't want to judge you. He doesn't want to condemn you. He doesn't want, to make, he doesn't want anybody to walk out of here today thinking about sin. What, what he wants is you to walk out of here thinking about your Savior. 
and what he's done for you. Paul, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Now, this is, the, this is the verse that gets taken out of context to, for people to say, God will never give you more than you're able to bear that we're going to deal with in a couple of weeks. But here's what it does say in the context, and it's about sin. The temptations in your life. Temptations to what? To sin. To violate God's word. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. We've all been there. And God is what, church? God is faithful. Don't ever forget that. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. The temptation to sin or to give in to sin. When you are tempted, he will show you, let's say it, church, he'll show you a way out so that you can endure. Aren't you thankful that there's always a way out through Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and through his spirit? There is always a way out. Some of you needed to hear that this morning. God is speaking to some of you because you're locked into some sin that you, even as a believer, have just convinced yourself. You've let the enemy convince you. It's just always going to be this way. And it doesn't have to be. It doesn't mean you won't always struggle. But you don't have to be locked into that habitual sin. And I, I want to share a, a story with you. I was on uh, Facebook a, a few weeks ago. And uh, a lady in our church, her name is Tabitha. Uh, I saw her Facebook post. And this was what she posted two years drug-free, and that was her Facebook post. Yeah, and I, I saw that, and I, I know Tabitha, and I didn't know all of her story, but I, I knew a little bit of it. I knew she goes to Orchard Church, and I knew the impact that, that God has had and our church has had in her life, and man, I just began to well up with tears in my eyes. I mean, just, that's, I, I just said everything right there. Just seeing that, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is incredible. And so I reached out to her, and I said, Tabitha, would you mind emailing me your story so I can share it with Orchard Church? And she said, hey, if it'll bring glory to God and help somebody else, absolutely. And so I'd like to read you her story this morning from Tabitha herself. And, and I had a hard time getting through this in the first service, so bear, bear with me because Tabitha is in this service right now. So thank you, Tabitha. Listen to her story. She said, you would not have recognized me a little over two years ago. I was alive, but I was not living. I hated the person I had become. The good life once tasted, the good life wasted. I had become a slave to addiction. I actually accepted I was going to die a hopeless drug addict. I could not live without drugs. I could not eat, sleep, and sometimes felt I could not even breathe without them. Satan was winning the war within, and I was one step away from death. One night, Jesus gave me what I now deem as a moment of clarity. I was tucking my one-year-old daughter into bed, and I became fully aware that she knew that the end was upon us. I had never seen fear like that in a child's eyes. Tears rolling down her face as her tiny hand would let go of mine. Mama, mama, mama. Although I believed in God my entire life, I had never experienced what was about to happen to me. I went into the next room, I dropped to my knees, and I begged for God to show me the way out. And I pleaded for his salvation. Two years later, I have yet to touch the drug that once destroyed my entire world. Can we praise God for that? That's incredible. <laughs> she goes on to say, my journey has been nothing short of miraculous. Satan had put me in jails and institutions and extremely close to death, but Jesus delivered me into freedom. My Savior continues to give me back what the devil had taken. I went from forsaken to forgiven, broken to blessed, and hopeless to free. Man, preach it, sister. That's, that's good stuff. She said, I found a home here at Orchard Church. I've learned so much about my redemption and salvation. 
I have never felt so close to Jesus. I continue to fall in love with Jesus daily. His mercy, his grace, his forgiveness upon my life are the best gifts I have ever received. Orchard Church has been a godsend. Celebrate recovery. That's our recovery ministry on Monday. Yeah, Monday nights. It's helping people with hurts, habits, and hangups. Check into that. She says, celebrate recovery has been such a blessing to my journey. And the relationships I have formed there are relationships I am eternally grateful for and will last a lifetime. I continue to be a work in progress. Aren't we all? Amen. <laughs> I am closer to my daughter than I've ever been. My broken marriage is being healed. My family is back together and better than ever. I have my job back. My, the broken relationships I created are being repaired. My sanity has been restored. The blessings just keep continuing to pour out upon me. If I had to go through this fire to become a better mother, wife, sister, daughter, and Christian, well, then it was worth it. I am proof that we serve an amazing God because Jesus gave his life. I have life. I know that he performs miracles every day. Just look in my direction. I am one. Man, can we praise God for that? That is incredible. Amen. Thank you, Tabitha. Thank you for sharing that story. As we wrap this up this morning, when someone says it doesn't matter what you do, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, let's say it together. God never said that. But let me leave you with what God did say. The second half of the verse we we opened with in 1 John. 1 John 1.8 says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But, it's one of the best words in the Bible, spelled with one T, not two. But, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Praise God. And that's true of everyone. Listen, Orchard Church, I love you guys. I want to help you guys. I want to encourage you guys. I know this has been a challenging and a heavy message today. And here's what I would say to you from the bottom of my heart. Don't you dare walk out of here today in guilt and shame. You run into the arms of Jesus who loves sinners. You find victory. You find redemption. You find forgiveness. You find mercy. You find grace. You find freedom. Because you might be the next miracle story like Tabitha. It might be your story as he sets you free. Run into the arms of Jesus today, your Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that your spirit would just move in this place, in our hearts and lives. That, God, you would use your spirit to draw us to yourself. I pray that no one would walk out of here today feeling guilt and shame and focused on their sin, but that we'd walk out of here focused on our Savior and your love and your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. So we just continue an attitude of prayer right now. As believers in Jesus Christ, I was mainly speaking to believers this morning. You've accepted Jesus, your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, but you know that sometimes you still sin. And maybe for some of you, there's, there's a habitual sin. There's a, a something in your life that's still got a stronghold and you need Jesus to set you free today. And I'm, I know a lot of times I ask you to raise your hand for prayer. I'm not even gonna ask you to raise your hand for prayer. I'm just gonna ask you to do business with your Savior right now. Right where you sit. You know how to talk to Him. And if there's something you need to confess, confess it. If there's something you need to make right, if there's something you need to say, Jesus, I cannot do this. I cannot break this chain, but you can and by your power and your spirit and your strength, would you set me free from this, Jesus, what I'm struggling with? 
And as believers are praying, there's some of you maybe here today, and, and today God's word and God's spirit has revealed your sin for this reason, to bring you to the Savior, to Jesus, who died on the cross 2,000 years ago. He gave his body and his, shed his blood. He died on the cross to pay for your sins. And all you have to do is receive the gift of salvation. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, that includes you, that whoever, that includes you, would believe in him, not just about him, but in him, would not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, the wages, the payment of sin is death, but here's the good news, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And, and God wants some of you to receive that gift right now, today, and have all your sins forgiven, past, present, and future and enter into a personal relationship and walk with Jesus. You know who you are if God is speaking to you in that way today. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to call on him right now through a simple prayer. It's not a magic prayer or magic words, but if you put, if it comes from your heart, heart of faith and belief, you can, you can receive Jesus right now. So you know who you are. If you need to accept Jesus, would you pray this prayer with me and, and believe it from your heart right now? It goes like this. Jesus, I, I'm asking you to come into my life today. I'm saying yes to you as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me. Thank you. So we continue in an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed, believers praying. Nobody looking around but myself for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I never want to do that. But if you just prayed that prayer of faith with me and you meant it, that's the greatest decision you could ever make. And I would love the privilege to pray for you that you would grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus from this day forward. And so on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to slip up your hand just where I can see it and I can pray for you if you prayed that prayer right now. One, two, three. Lift up your hand. Lift them up. Keep them up. Nice and high. Keep them up. God bless you, sir, here. God bless you, ma'am, here. God bless you, one, two, three people right here. God bless you, sir, over here. God bless you, one, two, three people up here. God bless you, sir, over here. God bless you, ma'am, down here. Keep them up. So nice and high. I don't want to miss anybody. God bless you. A couple of people on my right, your left over here. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. But he, listen, you may be asking yourself, okay, I just accepted Jesus. I made the most important decision of my life. What next? Here, here's what I'm going to ask you to do next. As I'm, as I'm going to pray for you in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to take out that connection card and your newsletter and give me your name and your mailing address. Check the box in the back that says, I accepted Christ. Because I want to continue to pray for you by name. Our prayer team will pray for you by name. Uh, nobody, nobody's going to you know, bug you or anything like that. We're going to pray for you. And then we're also going to send you a little book in the mail free. It's called Seven Steps to Joy to help you on your journey. So fill that out right now as I'm praying for you. So you can drop that in the offering bucket and we'll receive our gifts in just a moment. And we can send that to you. Father, we thank you for all those putting their faith and trust in you today. That are being turned from death to life. And from bondage to freedom and victory. And we welcome them as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And all of this is possible because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we love you and we praise you because you first loved us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen, amen. Can we welcome our new brothers and sisters in Christ into the family? Amen. Amen. Listen, if you, if you 
prayed that prayer with me and you're filling out that card, drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by uh, so we can continue to pray for you, send you that book. If you're a first-time guest here at Orchard Church, thanks so much for being our guest today. Hopefully you filled out that guest connection card in your newsletter. You can also drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We are not interested in your money today, first-time guest, but we're interested in, in getting to know you. And all that's going to happen is we're going to send you a thank you note, a free gift in the mail uh, for being our guest. If you're new to Orchard Church and haven't met you, I'd love to do so. I'll be hanging out in the courtyard by the blue tent, the new here start here tent. So come by and introduce yourself. Uh, next week, we're going to continue our God Never Said That series. We're going to talk about when people say, God told me to, fill in the blank. And really what we're going to address is how do we know for sure when it's God and it's not just what we want to do or our feelings and emotions. How can we know for sure when it's God? And so we're going to talk about that uh, next week. You don't want to miss that. I know this was a little heavier. Do we all still love each other, Orchard Church? All right. I love you guys. Let's stand as we close in a song of worship. Also worship the Lord through our tithes and offerings. I love you guys so much. Have a wonderful afternoon, and we'll see you next week. God bless you.